Well, what a privilege to be here. I'm glad you're so excited. You know, every one of you have such significance. And you're just being here adds life and significance to this gathering. Because of who you are, who God has created you to be. Wow. Pastor Ray, Carol, thank you so much for the privilege of coming and joining you this weekend. I like these guys from the first moment we met. We met, well, I won't say it was a few decades ago. We're just a little younger than we are now. And uh, uh, I, I mean, just from the first moment. And honestly, back then, we didn't have much opportunity to connect and relate. But I was like, I like this guy. And I love this lady here, her heart, her spirit and such. So over the years, we've had some connection, and we're just so grateful for the opportunity to be able to join you. My sweet wife, uh, Danette, she's uh, busy back home and taking care of things there. And uh, we have a daughter, Jenna, and uh, she's married to uh, Justin, our fine son-in-law. They have an 18-month-old. Finally, I get to be a grandfather. It's as cool as everyone said it is, okay? Even way cooler. And we have a son who's uh, 28 and single. I said, son, I'm on the lookout. I'm on the lookout. He said, son, dad, dad, dad. He said, be cool. You know, I, I've never met anybody yet that I've wanted to spend the rest of my life with. And I said, you never know. Could happen in Garland, Texas. I don't know. I don't know. Both of our kids are uh, work with us in ministry, and we're so grateful for that. And uh, we're, we're just blessed. Our congregation uh, started uh, about, uh, let's see, about 41 years ago, and we were at the ground floor of that, and uh, so we're just excited about how God is working in our lives, through our lives, and it's been a prophetic journey. And as I was praying about what I might share with you out of my heart, something that I'm most passionate about is being able to be an individual and to be a part of a people and a part of the greater body of Christ whose hearts are all about hearing him and carrying out his prophetic promises. You know, prophetic promises are very real. They're so real. And that to be able to partner with him and to be able to walk with God and carry out the promises are very significant. I was so privileged to be able to be raised at a home where my parents loved Jesus and and oldest of five kids. And I feel so, so blessed. And um, I I would that everyone would have that privilege, but it it hasn't always worked that way for everyone. And so I just feel especially blessed of the Lord. I don't take that for granted. I don't feel necessarily uh, proud about that, but I'm just so grateful because I had a mom and dad who valued the presence of the Lord and the promises of God. They placed such value upon knowing God and following Him. They grew up in Christian homes. Each of them, my mother did, my father did, and both of them just walked with God all the days of their lives. My dad went home to be with Jesus this last year. Interestingly, just nine months before my spiritual father, our spiritual dad, went home to be with Jesus. That was interesting, all within nine months. My father is a year older than Dick Iverson, 
And, uh, and uh, so, uh, uh, of course, they've known each other for 40-some years as well. But that was an interesting thing. But I, I, actually, here's what I felt like God would, did in me. And come losing my natural dad and spiritual dad all within nine months, I felt like, I, I just felt this sense of fresh you could carry the torch, continue to move forward passionately, walking in the glory of his presence, to carry the word of the Lord, things that my natural dad spoke into my heart, things that my spiritual father spoke into my heart. They came into agreement when I was a young guy, and they said, yes. My dad, I went to him one day, and we were in business together and, and such before I started this thing called pastoral ministry. Of course, I was very involved in the church and leading, leading worship and doing some teaching and such like that as just a pretty young guy. And uh, since my dad was also, we, were, we worked together in business, he, um, I said, Dad, I think, I'm, I'm, I think there's a shift coming. And he said, well, what are you feeling? I said, well, I think that I'm supposed to do this thing called ministry on a full-time basis. He said, well, great, great. He said, um, he said I'm so happy for you. And he said, I will support whatever God has called you to do. He says, I know that I'm fulfilling my calling in the realm of business. He said, I've never felt a call. And you would never would have seen my dad standing behind a podium. Trust me, it never would have happened. It wasn't that particular grace he carried or gifting. And he didn't have the desire for it. And uh, he was in the house of the Lord three times a week. And every other time the door was open, praising and worshiping Jesus. And actually, when he was a young guy, he'd lead the song service. But um, he said, that wasn't my grace. That wasn't my calling. I'm doing what I was called to do. But he said, he said, you follow the call of God. Whatever God has spoken and prophetic promises that he has given you, I'm in agreement with you. You see, that's what fathers and mothers do in the natural and the spiritual. Now, all of you are a spiritual father or mother, or you're in process of becoming one, even if you're a teenager, your goal in life is to be not only in the natural to grow up, to marry, have children, God willing, but that you become a spiritual mom and dad, and you keep cheering on the next generation for the glory of God. Well, we're having a lot of fun. And so we're just having a lot of fun in life because I've been in this passionate pursuit of Jesus all of my life. There was a song that was really powerful. I remember sitting on the bench in a little country church where I was raised. The name of the church was Bethel. And uh, I was sat there on that bench, and I remember again and again singing an old hymn. Hey, I did say the word old. The hymn was old, and I was young. And some of you younger ones wouldn't even know the hymn. But it was an old hymn that went like this, Standing on the Promises of Christ my King. How many of you know it? Maybe we all should just stand and sing it right now. I'm blessed. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. But I'm telling you what, every time we'd sing that song, I'd feel the glory of the presence of God churning in my heart. And I was just a little guy sitting on that hard old wooden pew. And I'm sitting there singing, standing on the promises of God my King. Through eternal ages, let His praises ring. And then I begin to hear the voice of the Lord begin to speak things to my heart. And I remembered the scripture I learned as a real little tyke. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 
And what I've learned from an early age by the grace of God and what I saw modeled of my mom and dad and other spiritual mothers and fathers was you listen to the voice of the Lord, get a hold of the promise of God, those promises that are revealed in Scripture and prophetic things that God speaks through prophets and other people in my life, and you protect them, you hide them in your heart, and make sure you guard them with all diligence. You want to guard your heart. You guard the promises with all diligence. Guys, I'm so privileged to be able to learn that at a young age. And, and it's just like all my life, just one blessing after the other, after the other just keeps going. It's not because I'm any more spiritual. I love Jesus anymore it's not, than anyone else. It's not because that there's some extraordinary favor or anything. It's just that I was... So privileged to learn at a young age. And I'm saying this to some of you as teenagers and such, and you young ones. Never neglect to take hold of the precious promises in Scripture and the prophetic things that God downloads to you, however it may come, through spiritual fathers and mothers, through prophets, and to take them and treasure them and guard them in your heart. Well, that's the introduction to the focus of the day that has been burning in my heart. I want to talk this morning about prophetic promises. Tonight, Lord willing, unless there's a shift, I want to talk more specifically about the process of walking out prophetic promises to the fulfillment. Here's what I've watched over years. It's relatively easy in prophetic communities such as this to be able to hear from God, have prophets speak into our lives, etc. That's actually the easy part. The more challenging part is, what do I do with this? What do I do with this word? Now I have maybe two, three, or four things. Got them recorded. They're on you know, I've, I've got them on my computer, got them on my phone, I've, I've, I've got them written out. How do I walk this out? I really feel like part of my life's message and part of my role in this season of life is doing whatever I can to help others place value upon prophetic promises and learn the process of caring to fulfillment. Four years ago, I had a prophetic promise That in 37 years, it finally came to fulfillment. But trust me, it did not just happen. Oh, no. I had to pay special attention to the word of the Lord. I had to grow to become the person who could carry it to fulfillment and could steward and manage the word of the Lord. Two years ago, we had a wife, my wife and I had a very significant word come to pass that was, that is, uh, uh, well, it's had actually quite, quite impact in our lives. 22 years, 22 years, prophets begin to speak this particular word. And I don't have the freedom to share that here, but very, very impacting. And for years we thought, wow, I wonder what, what, what could this mean? What's this going to look like? And then your mind starts kind of reasoning and figuring it all out. It's okay to do that sometimes. And then the Lord kind of brings you back to center and say, okay, get repositioned here. 
don't get off in the weeds now just uh, trying to figure this out. Keep your heart right. And you just be focused on becoming the kind of person that can embrace the Word when God wants to bring it to pass. You see, there's got to be a divine convergence between preparation, expectation, and the fullness of time. The kairos moments of the Lord within His sovereignty works in conjunction with our preparation and expectation, and there's a convergence happens, and that's when you get a suddenly. All of a sudden, like, whoa! This just, I can't believe what has happened. Now, the reality is, it didn't just happen. The reality is, we experience the suddenness of our life because it's expectation, preparation, and then you have the divine hand of the Lord, and when there's a convergence of the two... You have an axe too. And suddenly there was a sound. Sometimes we sit passively and wait for the suddenlies. Well, I'm just waiting for God to show up. I don't know why Pastor Rage is not showing up in my life. I'm just waiting. And any good pastor, like Pastors Carol and Ray, would say, Well, what are you doing in the process? How are you? growing and cultivating the soil of your heart, see? And that's where we need each other to encourage each other in these things. So we are prepared for that divine convergence. I'm going to talk about prophetic promises. Now, here's what I'm not going to do today. You guys are well-taught church. I know these guys. All of you, you're just, you're good Bible preaching, teaching center. I love it. Knowing that, and knowing that you understand prophetic stuff, the basics of that, I'm not going to do a lot of Bible preaching today, but I'm going to share some things out of life experience and things that uh, um, I feel can be very helpful. I'll refer to only a few verses of Scripture today, or this morning anyhow, because uh, of that. Because I, I don't want to take all the time up going to so many different passages of Scripture. You guys have those foundations. Uh, what I want to say is this, though, prophetic promises are to be expected. And some of you may be here and going, that's really cool. You're talking about the promises and what you've seen fulfilled, but I haven't had one yet. What I feel is a prophetic promise, I understand. I remember that uh, numerous times in my life where many individuals uh, felt like that they, uh, they were always being shortchanged. But I want to encourage you in this. As Jesus said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now, what you want to do is, of course, we treasure the Scriptures because in them we don't have eternal life. Jesus said, some of you religious leaders, he said, you think that you're going to have eternal life in the Scriptures. No, no, you don't. But what you do, we have Jesus being revealed in Scripture. We have the revelation of God. You hear the heart of God. You see the heart of God through Scripture. So that's why it's important to know the Scriptures. It's important to memorize the Scriptures and such. But prophetic promises are to be expected. Um, and I'm alive because He speaks to me. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. I'm, I'm reaching back into the foundational season of my life, okay? And so... His Word always brings life. That's why you feed on the Scriptures. His Word brings life. And when He speaks, 
into your heart with a still small voice, his word brings life. When he comes to you in the form of a vision and he begins to speak to you, he speaks a word of life that will affect your life in very practical ways. So there's different ways that God speaks. We see it from the book of Genesis all the way through Revelation. So he speaks through Scripture, right? He speaks through dreams. Um, how many of you kind of uh, maybe at least a few times a year where God would speak through you, to you through a dream? Yeah? Cool. Yeah. Uh, visions. We have that in Genesis. We have it all the way through Scripture. Not in every book, but we have visions of where the Lord will just open up. Sometimes in a vision, uh, of people that are really uh, prone to, to hearing God through vision, they can be looking at you over a cup of coffee, and all of a sudden they see this like a big screen above your head, and they can hardly see you, and it's just like, whoa, and here's this moving picture of stuff that's happening. Another way that God speaks, we see it in Scripture. All right? Uh, another way is through angels. And so God speaks through angels. We have it in Genesis. We have it all the way through Scripture. Numerous, numerous accounts where God speaks through angels. You know, he's still speaking through angels today. And I, I don't know why it is, but certain places you mention the word angel and God speaking through angel, people get all nervous like, I'm not sure what's with that. It's kind of like biblical. Angels show up on a pretty regular basis. The difference being is that probably most of us aren't seers that we're able to see into the invisible realm of what's happening, and therefore we may miss the opportunities sometimes. Uh, we frequently have angels uh, show up and angels, and we, what we've come to do is to place value not only on Scripture, but all the other ways that God speaks. He speaks through prophets, he speaks through dreams, he speaks through visions, he speaks through angels. It's very, very biblical. And we have biblical precedents for it. And so when angels show up, we ask the Lord. We'll say, Lord, now there's an angel here today that you're wanting to, to bring, to, to speak to us. Maybe they have a message. Or maybe their very appearance and posture uh, speaks of something that you're wanting to communicate to our hearts. So these are areas. And so to have a prophetic culture, what we want to be doing is always asking the Lord to speak through all of these things that we have precedence for in Scripture. It's very important. So I want to encourage all of us to um, ask the Lord, say, Lord, if there's some kind of an angel that you want to bring to me to speak, great that you want to send vision, dreams, still small voice, prophets. Bring it on, Lord. Now, what a, a, something that I... Let's back up a second. One of the things at home, one of our heart's desire has always been is to have such a prophetic culture that when people step into the very atmosphere, good things happen. They may have divine visitations, visions, revelation that God gives them and, um, and such. And, and I'm so grateful because in the last number of years, we're seeing this happen more and more. Last Sunday morning, there's a, my wife said, uh, there's a lady that visits occasionally. Uh, she's a part of another church. And now and then, she just wants to step into our, the atmosphere and just for service. We may not see her for three or four months because she's very faithful in serving her own congregation and being involved, and that's the way we want to see it. And uh, she, she stopped in uh, last Sunday morning, and uh, 
my wife, Danette, uh, went over to just greet her and say hello to her. And, and um, she says, you know, Danette, every time, I made a note here on it, every time I walk into this place, my prophetic gifting and ability to see in the realm of the Spirit is reactivated. And I'm like, yes, that's what we want. But that is a responsibility on all of us. That's not just about whoever the leadership team is. It's all of us who are saying daily, God, here's my heart. Speak into my life. Speak through prophets. Speak through dreams. Here I am, Lord. I have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying, and my heart's going to respond to it. And that helps to enhance or to develop a culture that where other people just step into the room. Almost every single week when guests stop in at our house, these are the comments we get. Unsolicited. They stop in for the first time. They come from out of state. They'll drive an hour or so just to say, I've got to be here for a service. Because my friend says, when you step into the room, there's something that happens to you. It happens that way almost weekly. I can't think of a week in recent months where that hasn't happened, where, where somebody has said that. But we, it, doesn't, it didn't just happen that way. It's because we said, like you, we want to be a people of his presence. But we also want to grow as a prophetic community and a prophetic lifestyle in hearing God. So we want to make sure there's no debris. We want to make sure the atmosphere is clear, our hearts are clear, so that the Lord can uh, move in this way. Well, I'm going to just slide down here on my notes a bit. And I want to talk about that, how the promises are so important because promises from God, prophetic promises, are about not only what He wants to do in and through you, but first and foremost, who you can become. You see, becoming in the likeness and conform to the likeness and image of our Lord is foundational to what He wants to do in and through us. And sometimes I have, re- I have recognized that some of the prophetic promises that he's given me, Ray, that I needed to grow in order to, for me to be able to um, step into and embrace and to be responsible and steward the promise. I had to grow. And so sometimes the prophetic promises seem like so way out there. It's like, oh my goodness. And or sometimes if you may a certain personality pipes it's like yeah that's right that's me i'm amazing i'm gonna go get it well believe who jesus says you are by all means but what you want to do in the process of keep your heart tender pliable and allow him to grow you to stretch you so in fact then you can become that person that god wants you to be so you can carry out the promises well i'm telling you guys there are so many good things here to share with you um, let me share a few more here with you. One of the things that I understand is that it relates to prophetic promises. While God is sovereign, He's in charge, but He doesn't control all circumstances, and He doesn't control all people. That's rather obvious, isn't it? He allows us free choice. That's why we have so much evil in the world. That's not God's design. That's human hearts who He loves but he allows you to make choice. Did you know Adam and Eve grew up in a perfect world? 
the world before even sin entered the world, and they had choice, they had free will, and they had opportunity to make good choices or poor choices. They made some poor choices. Then sin enters the cosmos. Sin enters the world. So since that time, sin and evil has been coming at humanity. So you have this beautiful, innocent little child that is born, comes into our families, and now we've got sin coming at it. Sooner or later, that child is going to make a decision at some point and sins against God. And that's why we, hallelujah, need a Savior and have a Savior. So when you talk about prophetic promises from God, when God gives us a prophetic promise, He's saying, this is a partnership deal. Don't just wait and say, well, God's sovereign, it'll just happen. No, this is a partnership He's so relational, he's looking for the opportunity to partner with us as sons and daughters and to say, will you be carriers of my glory? Will you be ones who'll carry the seeds of promise to fulfillment? And he looks for that response within our hearts. So we never want uh, to have just a a passive uh, attitude. What I like about... Our God, as we see in Scripture, God actually invites us into um, the participation with his plans. He actually invited Abraham into his thoughts as what how he was going to handle uh, Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, he had allowed Moses to actually change his mind. Now, don't get freaked out because you say, you know, I am God and, and God does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews. His nature never changes. But God works with humanity. Now, there at some point, he says, okay, I've got to draw the line here. It's like, yeah, that's right. You're God. Okay. But he invites us into this relationship, and he wants to move and work together with humanity. And I appreciate what our brother said this morning, even concerning New York State. You go, this is horrific. And you could just kind of throw up your hands in with a hopeless response, or you can say, I don't understand how God's going to work in the midst of all this, but God isn't wringing his hands and saying, oh no, what am I going to do? These people just passed this law. It looks all hopeless to me. Now, God will let people kind of go where they want to go, and if people keep going their own way, there'll be a consequence in the end. But sometimes God can work in the middle of situations that can be rather mind-blowing. It's like, wow. Our job is to keep ourselves centered. How many of you play tennis? Okay, two of us. The rest of us don't. I don't play tennis. I've played a few times. But uh, a few years ago, before he we went home to be with Jesus, we had a guy in our church, and uh, <clears throat> Dr. Jerry Canning. And he was quite a tennis player. And uh, he was quite a tennis player, and had him share a message once in, in our church and about always coming back to center. And he talked about as a tennis player, you know, you're all over the court and you're all over here and you're, you're back and forth uh, chasing the ball from your opponent and such. And then he, he illustrated all that and then he said, but remember, always get back to center and get positioned. Get back to center and stay positioned. That way you can go in either direction. You get caught lagging off here at the one side just because here's where the ball landed last time. Now, guess what? You are a sitting duck. 
you're going to get whooped because your opponent's going to land that ball clear on the other side of the court. Get back to center. And so in life, we always be asking the Lord, I've got to get back to center, get my equilibrium. I've got to get position. I remember when I was learning to play basketball in junior high, uh, the coach was always reminding us, okay, guys, don't just stand there like a bunch of dummies and just wait for the ball to come down court. Get in position. Get ready. Lean forward. Get your stance. Get stable. You can push off to this direction. You can push off to this direction. You can move that way, or you can scoot back. Whatever, whatever needs to happen. Make sure that you are in position. So the Lord wants us to always to be in position so we can receive the word of the Lord. A couple comments here. God's promises are relational. Um, I'd love the scripture in 2 Corinthians 1.20. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. What that speaks of, of the significance of our relationship in Christ, with Christ. Promises are relational. Promises are not about like something he just hands out to us like a commodity. It's not like a, a ticket to the, you know, hope you're going to win the lottery. Um, the promises are relational. The promises flow from his heart. And that's why it's so important that we really respond carefully to the promises of God. They're actually a gift of himself. John chapter 6, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But there is bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. Listen to this. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Verse 51. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Verse 57. Just as the living Father sent me, I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. Jesus breaks bread with us by giving us prophetic promises. It's a beautiful, relational connection. And when he breaks bread with us, he takes just a piece of the essence of who he is. See, see, see promises are more than about something you're going to do someday or something that's going to happen to you. They're a part of a gift of himself. And he says, here, Ray, here's a promise I give to you. Carol, here's something prophetic that I see that God was going to do in and through you in the future. And every time that you get a promise, treat it like fine china. When he hands it to you, you go, whoa, he's giving himself to me. This is the gift of his very own heart to me. Whoa, I want to carefully hide this and protect this promise and this word. Because it's Jesus giving Himself to me. Does that help? When I begin to catch that some years back, I begin to go, whoa. Now basically, I had already responded, but I even became more attentive to what Jesus says to me on a day-to-day basis. As I read Scripture, you're reading Scripture one day, and all of a sudden, this Scripture like, bang! And you go, whoa. I just treasure this Word. It's a fresh rhema Word. From the Lord, I'm going to just take it. I'm going to chew on it. I'm going to feed on it. 
I'm going to hide it in my heart. I want to, I want to get it into the recesses of my mind. I want it to, this word to move throughout the corridors of my heart and into every room of my heart and influence my life. Influence my behavior. Because Jesus just gave me a gift of Himself. You know, promises of God, prophetic promises, are an indication of favor. When the angel came to Mary, it's interesting that the angel said, you are highly favored of the Lord, the Lord is with you. Now, when you experience the favor of the Lord in something that He presents to you as a word of promise to you, uh, know that you're highly, highly favored. And he gives the word to you because he trusts you. He trusts that you will take his word and that you will carry it uh, with honor and, 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 great, uh, and, and great, uh, with great attention. And so identify the, the points of favor in your life and you want to kind of follow after the favor of the Lord. Uh, this is really important. And by the way, let me insert this one for free. Don't try to follow after the favor that's on someone else's life. And don't find yourself, compare, don't compare yourself with the favor of the Lord on somebody else's life. Celebrate the favor, the word of the Lord, the process that God has somebody else in. And that's the best way to keep yourself favorable before the Lord. Sometimes we compare ourselves. Sometimes like, man, why is it this other dude? Man, he's always getting these promises and all these breaks in life. And God, I've been there and felt that way at times. Then I have to come back and gather my heart and say, okay, God, it's not about. I am a unique, precious individual before you. I have to come back and put myself into remembrance. Now, here's what I understand that some of us, that's hard to do. It's hard to do because sometimes we can carry some baggage, we can carry some things and wounds and hurts. The enemy gets in there and he lies to us. The dirty little devil, he lies to us. Sometimes we start entertaining those thoughts, feeling like we're less significant than other people around us, wondering why everybody else has all the good breaks in life and we look at our own pain and some of the tough and difficult sometimes traumatic things that have happened to us. And the goal of the enemy of our soul is to keep us down, to keep the lid on. Oh, but it isn't it beautiful. As we begin the process of discovering truth, who he is, who he says I am, and we begin to emerge into becoming the person God has called us to be, that doesn't happen always overnight, does it? And so we've got to break out of those things of lies, like Pastor was saying, because all addictions and all of these things that can really, we can get ourselves messed up with. You know, you can love Jesus really genuinely with your heart and still get become snared with addictions and other types of things. Amen. Now the devil comes say, oh, you're just a total phony. Nonsense. I know many people are not phonies. They really love the Lord Jesus Christ. They want him to be Lord of our lives, but struggle in some areas. And it's part of the human walk at times, and the enemy capitalizes and embeds lies in there. And at the root of a lot of those issues that we struggle with are lies of the enemy, like Pastor Ray said. So it's about, it's about allowing truth to shine 
into the corridors of our heart and to hear him speak truth in that allows us to come out of darkness and into light and to find the freedom. So Mary was with the Lord. Her heart was responsive. Favor came upon her. And what Mary did was focus on the prophetic promise upon her life, and she did not allow, allow the voices of, dis- of dissent to distract her. Now, you talk about a tough situation. You're with child, and it kind of like, well, it just happened. Guys, hanging out with their friends. I know I'm pregnant. I'm a young gal. Never been with a man. It, it just happened. Sure, Mary. Of course. Yeah. We get it. It's that way a lot of times. Uh-huh. Now, just imagine, poor Mary. What? I mean, imagine the rumors around town. But Mary, somehow, when the angel came to her and the word of the Lord came to her, she was able to say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And she received the word with agreement. She said, be it unto me according to, help me out, your word. Can we declare that together? Be it unto me according to your word. It's interesting to me that it was after that moment that the angel then went on his way. The angel hung there momentarily looking for the response of her heart. It tells me something. Whether it's in a moment, Holy Spirit brings a scripture to me. Um, He may have a vision or he just drops something into my heart. Brings something to my attention. There's a moment there that while the presence of the Lord is very near, and whether it was directly delivered by an angel or just by the Spirit of the Lord came and dropped my heart, I don't want to delay. I want to just take a moment give a bit of consideration and say, yes, Lord, I'll receive. Let it happen in and through me, Lord. That's my heart. You know what we're talking about here today? I don't have to convince you guys about how God speaks and how he works. What my heart's intention is here, even this morning and tonight, we'll go a little further, and that is, is to create an appetite to even be more attentive, to become more attentive, responsive, and learn how to move with process in the word of the Lord. So she received with agreement, she received with joy, and then there's the lifestyle adjustment, guys. Whoa, when I receive a word of promise, I have to now adjust my expectations. Now, I've seen this happen many times. Our church from day one has always been a, a prophetic community. This church has been for many, many, many years. And uh, what I've seen happen many, many times is sometimes people, uh, whether it happens spontaneously or maybe it's in a presbytery setting and they receive the word of the Lord and jump out of the chair and go, yippee, yay, and go on just living like usual. Not wise to do because you just may miss you may not realize the fulfillment of it. You understand that most of the promises are conditional. God says, I will if you will. And you actually see numerous places in Scripture where God comes to us on that basis. 
Now, we know there's some things, like in the fullness of times when Christ came, that wasn't based upon humans could not uh, create a scenario where that would not happen, all right? So we understand there's kairos moments within the sovereignty of God, but much of how God works in our life has to do with our responsiveness. Think about an expectant mother. <laughs> Carol, you should come up and do this part of the presentation. But I'm going to do this as an observer. I watched it growing up as a kid. I'm the oldest of five kids. I watched my mother. I remember other mothers in church when I was a little kid. Then my wife and I have been married now 39 years, and I've watched it with my wife. But an expectant mother, once she learns that she is conceived and she's with child, she dreams about the seed of promise every day. She begins to imagine and visualize, I wonder what this child is going to look like. Will it be a boy? Will it be a girl? She keeps talking about it. Now, I just watched this two years ago with my daughter. It was kind of cute. Every time she'd see me, hey, dad, dad, dad. And she's telling me all how she's feeling, and she's calling her mom regularly. Hey, mom, this is kind of strange. My wife's sitting there listening. Honey, yeah, that's kind of normally, that's how the body starts responding, et cetera, you know. An affected mother seeks advice on how to respond to the seed within her. She adjusts her lifestyle because of the changes now that are taking place within her body. She becomes more careful about what she ingests. She considers her physical health, her emotional health. She considers more carefully all of her activities as the child develops. She's drawn towards others who are celebrating the seeds of promise. I just love it at church. We had, we had here uh, last uh, year and a half ago, it was when my daughter was pregnant, six babies all within six months at our church. You know, you have six or so, maybe over a year or whatever. But these were all six of them in six months. And so all those little mamas, here they are. Here they are, and they're in this holy huddle. <laughs> yeah, really? Really? And they're all kind of touching their tummies. And yeah, well, well you know, I'm really feeling like, oh, yeah, really, really. I mean, I can get close enough to hear it. I just kind of like, you know, you just kind of walk around and know they're just having a good time. They, they are celebrating together. But a mother is sensitive towards anything that could hurt or hinder the development of the promise. Guys, that's what God is calling us to. Be attent attentive. It requires an adjustment in thinking. We can't afford to think differently than he does about us and where he's going. You've got to get rid of the Icantus disease. It'll kill you. It's contagious. When you start hearing other people saying, I can't, you can't, just create a little space. You know, you probably ought to have kind of a quarantine type of thing, maybe. <laughs> Prophetic promises require an adjustment in speaking. Now, one thing I know about your pastors and that, that you guys have been challenged much over the year. I just, I just know this. I mean, I haven't been here, but I just know about speaking life, having a spirit of faith, agreeing with God. See, you can't be given prophetic promises and then just walk around in doubt and unbelief and such. We've got to align our thinking, align our hearts, and align our mouths because our mouths are like a rudder of a big ship. And disgruntled thoughts and speech are barricades on the road of destiny. You can't afford to live with all of that. I'm going to end on this one. This is really a huge one. That over years, I've come to just not only discover, but to 
make a greater priority in my life. Prophetic promises must be carried out in the context of healthy relationships. Whoa, that was getting personal. Healthy relationships. And you know what, guys? It's the... Sometimes in seasons of life, this is the most difficult part about walking with Jesus. Is how to have healthy relationships. Have you guys ever noticed just about the time there's peace on all sides? Everything's going good. Some little devil pops his head up. I don't like to blame everything on the devil. Sometimes you'll find uh, the devil, he'll show up at churches and be sitting out on the curb crying when everybody's arriving at church and somebody will stop and ask him, hey, why are you crying, Mr. Devil? He said, because everybody's blaming everything on me. And so we don't want to always just be blaming the devil. But honestly, it's a challenge. It can be a challenge even in marriage. It can be a challenge in families. Challenge in church families. But understand, the devil hates family. He will do everything he can to disrupt a beautiful, holy union of a marriage relationship, parents and kids, and such. Now, like I say, we at our church, we don't talk about the devil much and such, but we do realize there is one, and we do realize there are demonic spirits that will arise on occasion to interrupt a divine flow of life. So you just kind of want to be aware of that. It could be. Sometimes it's just out of the brokenness that we carry. Sometimes we're carrying stuff on the inside that we don't feel worthy and we can have an orphan spirit and we can feel like everybody else is getting all the breaks and something must be wrong with me. And I mean, there's so many things that we, as good people who love Jesus, we can become snared with. And then the enemy sees that vulnerability and he can move in and kind of trip us up in that. And this can block the flow of prophetic promises at personal levels and corporate levels. Okay? Been there. Been there. I've seen it happen. Okay? So let me just share a couple thoughts on this and maybe just tuck this away in your heart and in your mind um, as well. But anyone who has a heart that is responsive to prophetic promises um, has this responsibility And I like the old African proverb that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Now, there's a challenge with that at times because sometimes we feel like others aren't that that we want to run with aren't moving at the pace that should happen. Other times we feel like that, uh, well, it's just more cumbersome to try to run together with prophetic promises and it'd be easier if I just went it alone. Or it may be, well, I like this person. Uh, I like this person, but I don't like this one, so I'm going to segregate myself from these people that I don't like as much, and I'm going to hang out with these, and surely the promise will come to pass better because they all like me and are in agreement with me. How many of you know there could be a flaw in that kind of thinking? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Hey, I've been there. I know what that's like. I've been tempted at times to kind of, you know, cut the relationship. A lot of times when you have prophetic words that God downloads to you personally uh, with prophets, whether it's spontaneous or 
laying on of hands in a prophetic assembly, a lot of times the words focus upon the what. What they're going to do, God's going to do, right? Good. That's good. But when we come out of that moment, just a, just a little word of advice. You don't want to get so locked on to the what that you forget the who. You say, what's that mean? God never intended for any prophetic promise in your life to be carried out in any other way except in the context of healthy relationships. It is the only way that you will fully realize, experience, and see the fulfillment of those promises. Guys, this is huge. And part of the way this is at the forefront of my thinking is because I've seen too many times where good people forget that. They get locked up on the promise and what they're going to experience and what I'm going to realize. And God spoke to me and he said this. And sometimes muck up relationships in the process. And pay a price down the road. And you you know what usually happens? The promise is never fully realized. I've watched it so many times. It makes my heart ache when I see it happen. I've seen it so many times. I didn't, I didn't teach this well to our people early on. So we had this highly charged prophetic community we've always had and, and such. And I've seen so many people. So in recent years, I'm like, okay, I really need to take more time as a father of the house is to be able to make sure that we make sure that the who, the individuals that God wants to, to, to uh, uh, work through, make sure those relationships are healthy so we can actually carry the promise to its fulfillment. Just a few more thoughts on this, and we'll we'll wrap up here because you guys are getting hungry for lunch. So here's, I'm going to just give you a little insight into kind of how I think. Now, I'm not the standard on this. I'm just telling you part of my story out of a lot of years of experience. We want to be dialed into the key people of our lives and possibly a key person or more who God will merge into the stream of our life. And these aren't necessarily high-profile people, not necessarily the coolest people, not necessarily the people who like us the most. Because I have noticed in Scripture and I've watched in my journey that sometimes God will use people that I don't even like. What's with that? And I'm so full of Jesus and just love everybody so much, surely. It's like, no, no, I'm telling you, there's some people. I have a brother in my church. He's been with us for 37, six, seven years. For the longest time, he didn't like me. I'm thinking, well, dude, what are you here for? But he was smart enough to know that the Lord says, here's where you need to be. He'd even tell me. You and me, he says, I, I just don't care for you. <laughs> One day I looked at him, and he kind of like, like to poke at me with that. 
One day I looked at him and says, well, I don't particularly care for you either. I said, I know I'm not your favorite person. I know that, I, I know that it's just not all that exciting every time you hear me. Got to take a rabbit trail for a minute. I had a, got a note one, one day from a fella about 25 years ago. Dear Pastor Galen, I'm leaving the church because you're too positive of a preacher. I shook my head, then I laughed, then I almost cried, then I like, what? You're too positive of a preacher. Okay. Let's see. Folks, we're had. It's doom and gloom and despair and agony on me. Deep, dark depression, excessive misery. This is our lot in life, folks. But one day, Jesus is going to come and rescue us out of this dark, dreary mess. I don't know, maybe that would have been better. So, this, this brother and I, we were smart enough to recognize the need to honor one another. I didn't particularly like him. He didn't really like me. But he honored the fact that I was placed there by God and he came into the scene and it's like he had enough wisdom to say, recognize a prophetic calling on his life, my life, our corporate life, that he said one day, I don't want to miss out. I said, well, I guess we best be getting along better. What can we do? And you know what? Man, He's one of the most precious brothers in our church. Man of faith. Man of the word. Speaking life. Speaking blessing. And he likes me now. <laughs> Takes me fishing. Go out in the ocean. Go fishing together. It's a beautiful thing. So key people don't necessarily need to be friends. The key people in your life that enable you and help you carry the promise do not need to be friends that make you feel good. You've got to understand how God works. You can look at it in Scripture, and you can look at it if you've lived very long, and you look at the experienced people, and you look at people who are very successful in walking the walk with Jesus and who do some significant things. You just sit down and talk with them, and they'll all tell you, I didn't just gather my best buddies around me. But rather, I opened my heart and submitted myself to those who God had put back put into my life that I didn't necessarily even like the best or didn't necessarily consider as, as, as the coolest people around. And, and sometimes people make that mistake. It's like, man, I have a word of the Lord. I'm carrying the word. Hey, I want to invite all my best buddies to my house. The people that like me and I can influence and such. Say, guys, I've seen it happen again and again. It never leads to anything but failure in missing the word of the Lord. I'm telling you, this is what God put on my heart last week to, to share with you guys. I just, I just know that he just put it down here. I've been, I've been teaching this uh, really at, also at our school recently too. We have a school of the supernatural and, and uh, highly charged Holy Spirit, power, prophetic stuff. 
and I'm wanting to make sure our students don't go out. We've got students that come from other churches too. And I want to make sure that people don't go out and do really stupid things and cause actually harm based on the word of the Lord. God spoke to me, say, it's God of work. A real word of the Lord is not going to create havoc. A real word of the Lord, if we know how to respond to it appropriately, will be carried with humility and honor of the people that are put into my life. Pastor Ray, I'm, I'm going too long here. Can I just make a couple more comments? Are we, are we okay just for a couple more? I mean, what's he going to say? Get down. <laughs> and I just sit, walk down and sit down. I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm here under their authority. And uh, so I, I know how to, uh, how to flow with, you know, whoever God has put in my, in my life and, and around in any situation. We need spiritual fathers and mothers who walk with us in carrying our words to fulfillment. Very important. Let me tell you, never as a kid growing up, my natural father or my spiritual father, I didn't choose either one. I was born into my natural family, a great dad, but growing up as a kid, I wouldn't have said, he's the coolest dad in town. I wouldn't say that at all. I've loved my dad. And at times, it was like, oh, dad. But he's still dad. I honored him. My spiritual father. I didn't think he was the coolest leader around. That isn't why I yielded my heart to him 40 years ago. I did it because the Holy Spirit said, pay attention to this man. You honor this man and you'll go far. God spoke it to me. You know, sometimes I chafe a little bit. But the Lord spoke it to me, and I did. And I did to, to the very day. He was speaking to our church every year. Not because I thought, or because he even, we even agreed. There were numerous things, and numerous times where he said, Boy, Gil, I'm concerned about you. I don't think this is the path you should go. I said, Well, thank you for sharing it. I know this comes out of your heart of love and honor. I, I, I just respect and honor you. And he would say, well, you, you, just, you just weigh this out. I would like, thank you. I, we will weigh it out. And sometimes we didn't necessarily take a turn that was according to his wishes, and he wasn't a control freak at all. He didn't try to manipulate or control us. And we, we, we moved ahead anyhow. But I understand that it stood the principle of honor. I can tell you the favor that I have found and the places that God me to go and the people to connect with around our world has mostly to do with a humble heart and honoring those that sometimes I don't agree with, I, I see differently, but I honor them and I give. Honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you. Let me tell you that works in the natural and the spiritual. I'm just telling you. You know, sometimes the younger generation of my church, and even like my, my friend that said he didn't like me, he was smart enough to catch a hold of that one. Now we even like each other, having fun working together. But sometimes the younger generation, hey, if you're looking for the coolest preacher in town, the best, finest orator or whatever, sorry guys, I'm just not going to measure up to that. But if you can see me as one, possibly as one, that God may want to work to lift you up, help be the foundation 
You stand on my shoulders, man. I'm going to thrust you forward. I want you to become all you can be. I'm going to cheer you on all the days of your life. <laughs> so if, if you can accept me for that, I think I can be a blessing to you. See? I think I can be a blessing. An apostolic government gathers around fathers and mothers. It's about relationship, not about what you agree on or disagree about. This is very important. And so an apostolic government, as we see in Scripture, is based upon recognizing who God has placed in our lives as the authority of our lives. All right? It's not about who's the coolest or the most gifted. And too much of the time in our culture... We're looking for the coolest and the most gifted. God's saying, you're missing the point. Who are those that God wants to use in your life? So I'm always looking at that. Every time I meet new people, I'm asking. I I literally do this. Every time I meet new people, every week, I walk away. And when my wife's with me, I say, Jeanette, I wonder if the Lord has any, there's any kind of a rapport there that should happen in the future of my response towards this person or their response towards me. And sometimes we'll say, I just really feel in my heart that there's something there. I don't know what it looks like, but I'm going to pay attention to this relationship. Because I know that God will strategically align us. Now, let me say this. The moment when you, as an individual or a church group, seen this again and again, and you want to advance with prophetic and apostolic focus, I am a positive preacher, but sometimes you've got to touch on the unfortunate. <laughs> as soon as you want to expand on an apostolic and prophetic culture and community, a spirit of Absalom is awakened. Just ask, talk to some of us that work with a lot of pastors and leaders in churches. I've seen it so many times. And this spirit specializes really on feeding into frustrations that may be legitimate. In other words, life doesn't always go easy for any of us. There's no perfect thing, you know? If it wasn't for people, life would be easy. And so you have Satan, he's the accuser of the brethren. Now, let me just do this. We've got to wrap this up. Here's how an Absalom spirit operates, So, Absalom, if you know the story, sat near the gate of the city. He's the son of King David. King David, was he a perfect guy? No, he had some flaws. But he was the one who God had put as king of Israel. Because he knew his heart was after the Lord, even though he made some poor calls on several fronts and occasions and such. But Absalom stood at the, at the gate of the city and he looked for people who were discontented and people who were struggling and maybe people who had some problems or people who had some frustrations and such. And he would sympathize. Oh, I understand. I'm so sorry. I know our leader, he really dropped the ball on that. I understand. My dad just doesn't have it all together. I know he's supposed to be the leader of our nation, but poor old dad, he just doesn't get some things. 
And you know what he did? Absalom sold, sold, sowed disloyalty and he stole the hearts of the people away from the one that God had said, this is the man for this season who I want to lead the charge. And then he transferred the affection to himself. Now what it tells us is this. He was a very insecure man. Anytime this happens, it's always because of somebody who's very insecure. And actually, in my the, the situations I have seen, they're always very, very nice people. And they're just very vulnerable, the insecure. They've got ambitions. They've got a prophetic word. And they're so wanting to see it come pass. And so now I begin to feed off the discontentment and, and to gather around those who will like them and put distance for others' people. The intent of the heart is one that, well, I'm, just, I'm not doing anything wrong. But what it does, watch out for an Absalom in your life because they'll try to hijack the word of the Lord and use it in your life and use it for their advantage. Seen it happen. Never turns out good. Absalom built a monument. Wife and I were in Israel here just two years ago in the Kidron Valley, right at the base of the Mount of Olives and the Temple Mount. There's the monument that Absalom built for himself. Said he has no sons. He actually had three sons, but apparently they died early. So he built a monument to himself. Does that tell you something? A person who really wants to be a father, we're all called to be, grow up, be fathers and mothers. But there's a right way, and there's a way that doesn't work well. And so sometimes in a person's desire to see their prophetic word fulfilled, and they want influence so bad, and they're so insecure that they don't know how to work within God-given authority ranks, and so now they begin to go about it, and illegitimately begin to try to gather sons and daughters and then hijack the prophetic promises of these ones who are maybe more vulnerable and ride with that for their own success so they can have a monument unto themselves. Don't let anybody hijack your prophetic word. Don't allow anybody to use you as a means to their end. It always starts to, oh, I just want to help you. You take help, though, from legitimate fathers and mothers. We want to have that. Absalom paid a dear price, hung from a tree by his hair, and it didn't turn out well. And often it's because that orphan spirit within a person that will cause them to all of a sudden, the devil will come in now with an Absalom spirit, but it begins with an orphan spirit. An orphan spirit never fully realizes who he or she is in Christ already. And so they're banking on the fact that I have a word from the Lord and I've got to gather these people and together we'll run and fulfill the word of the Lord. It's an orphan spirit because they're afraid they're going to get left out or because they didn't get acknowledged in a way that they thought they would. Wonderful people. Guys, all of us love Jesus, don't we, so much? But we want to keep growing and learning how to go about and live out the ways of the Lord in a way that everyone wins. Everyone can win, and we can win together. We want to celebrate what God is doing. So, I went way beyond my time. I'm so, well, I guess I'm not really sorry. 
but I am sensitive to the fact that I did. Tonight, if you come back, I can think I can help with about specifics of prophetic process, and then we want to do some impartation of grace and trust for just a fresh grace of the Lord to enable you to walk out the words of the Lord. There's so much here that's in process, and some of it's just the word that's latent. And being latent doesn't mean you're late. It's just, it's there. But what can you be doing to cultivate and to move through process so you can, five years, 10 years, 20 years, you can go, wow, you guys won't believe what just happened to me. The word that I received when the prophets laid hands on me or a brother or sister came to me, it's happening. I want that to be your story. I want that to be the story of every one of us. And by faith, I believe it will. Amen. Let's stand to our feet, shall we? We thank you, Pastor Galen, for the word of the Lord. Amen. You know, he had a word from the Lord. I had no idea what he was going to be sharing today. We had not talked at all. This is a really powerful word that all of us need to receive. Receive this. How many of you received something today? That's powerful today. I think God was saying something to help strengthen us. Amen. Pray you'll come tonight and just appreciate his apostolic mantle on Pastor Galen. Father, we receive what you're saying today. Lord, we have ears to hear. And Lord, we believe that your desire is for us to grow and increase and be fruitful on every side. Lord, what you say, Lord, is a word that brings life and blessing to us. So we receive these things. Lord, give us strength this afternoon and even rest as we even come back tonight. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name, everyone said, turn to someone, give them a hug, and we'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight.